0: Welcome to the Cochrane Trainees Podcast, brought to you by Cochrane UK, inspiring medical and dental trainees to engage in evidence. This podcast is part of a series of conversations. To catch up and get the latest episode, go to uk.cochrane.org forward slash trainees. Hello, so my name is Rachel, I'm one of the Cochrane UK Trainees
1: Committee and I'm here with Ian Shemmelt. Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, so, Ian, thank you for coming and uh, spending some time with me today. Uh, what do you do?
2: Um, well, uh, I'm a researcher in Economic and Evidence Synthesis Methods uh, based at the EPICENTER yep. at UCL mm-hmm. in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, uh, from Cochrane perspective, uh, a co-convener of the Economics Methods Group and have uh, various primarily methods-related roles,
1: sure.
2: uh, but I'm also an author with a uh, few groups.
1: What what is the epicentre?
2: What do do they do? Yes, uh, we we, uh, do uh, evidence synthesis um, across a whole spectrum of topics um, and a whole uh, 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 spectrum of methods for evidence synthesis, um, including health, uh, education, social care, crime and justice, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, environmental sciences, uh, international development and so on. So a broad spectrum of reviews. Uh, and we're also interested in the science of evidence use, uh-huh. and so those are the two main strands of work at the epicenter.
1: It okay, sounds really interesting. So, it's sort of talking a bit about how you, I suppose, bring together different studies. Is that right? And you sort of bring them together to come up with the conclusion, which yes. is essentially a Cochrane review, is yes. Um And then your other strand is how you communicate that to the public or yes. to policymakers. Yes. Yeah. And in terms of my
2: role, um, I'm, I'm uh, more. Um, uh, uh, interested and active in uh, developing the methods for the evidence synthesis and um, you know uh, my uh, whole uh, reason for wanting to develop those methods is to make them decision oriented so yep. it is about the use of evidence but um, uh, I don't study uh, none of my research studies the science of evidence use so I focus on one side of the epicenter's work more than the other.
1: Now how did you get into it?
2: Well um, uh, by accident, really,
1: um,
2: uh, as with most things in life, a series of choices and chances. Um, uh, but I applied for um, a position um, when I was a, a bit of a lawyer in my career, in terms of knowing what I wanted to do next. Yeah. Um, as the as a research coordinator, which was a full time position with the Economics Methods Group, with yeah. the Cochrane Economics Methods Group, and um, that was in 2005. Um, within. Um, two weeks of being in post, I went to the Melbourne Colloquium, which was my first Cochrane Colloquium. That
1: was a nice place to go. Yeah,
2: and I walked through the door um, and uh, uh, a lady called Ginny Hetherington, uh, who's now retired but uh, was, I'm still in some ways is, one of the heartbeats of the collaboration, um, uh, came over to me. I've never met Ginny before. She came over to me and said, who are you? And then and, and I told her who I was. She said, ah, oh, come and meet these people and I came over and she introduced me to uh, Ian and Mike. Hmm. Uh, And Ian and Mike quizzed me for a good uh, 15 minutes on what I I did and challenged me uh, in terms of what I thought about what I did. And bearing in mind I've all been in, we were all for two weeks. Hmm. Um, But these these people were supportive, encouraging, um, and uh, uh, it was only uh, several hours later uh, that I realized that these people were Ian Chalmers and Mike Clark. Right. Uh, and uh, that tells a story because this collaboration is very flat in terms of hierarchies, yeah. what matters is uh, what you've got to say and what you do uh, and not how senior you are in academia uh, and that was something that was very attractive to me right from the beginning.
1: So I suppose that's really, that's really interesting because I think from a sort of trainee point of view, um, it can seem, you know, because Co- the Cochrane sort of name is so, I suppose, big and prestigious and you sort of assume, well, you know, how, how do I get involved with this at sort of entry level? Um, but it seems like you found it quite easy to get involved right from the start.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm sure that there are good and bad experiences in this and, yeah. and I know that there's a lot of work going on as part of the strategy it's 2020 at the moment yeah. uh, uh, to try and uh, expand the range of opportunities for membership. Um, so that you know it's not just a case of uh, authoring a systematic review or or not being involved and there are a whole range of opportunities now to contribute uh, and through the new membership scheme I think that that's going to only increase um, and and, uh, and, uh, attract a a much more diverse crowd of contributors uh, to Cochrane uh, and and that's important. it's difficult. I'm, I'm not a comfortable networker. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure that I would have walked into that colloquium uh, and uh, just been able to find my way to network Yeah. Um, uh, or t- to have done that com- confidently right from the beginning. Uh, but I didn't need to because there were enough people who just uh, were interested to find out who you were because they hadn't seen you before yeah. and, and who immediately brought me into a whole range of uh, initiatives and projects uh, to, to get my thoughts on those um, and really just encourage me to get started uh, in terms of my new role. So um, uh, and that was quite a defined role that I had um, for the first five years of my involvement uh, at least and, and then uh, it's, it's sort of spread and uh, um, I, I'm involved in a much greater range of activity within Cochrane now, uh, primarily around methods Development still across the whole spectrum of methods rather than uh, the niche of economic methods where I started. And so, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a case of um, uh, struggling to find a route in uh, because uh, the people who are in Cochrane uh, are so great um, as people. Yeah. Um, there are enough great people
1: in Cochrane uh, that they
2: welcome you in with, with open arms. And, 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 that's been really the, a major inspiration yeah. for me in my career um, to become involved with Cochrane uh, and its people um, uh, because of what it stands for you know this is research for the public good yeah. you know and um, I don't know uh, maybe I'm just uh, uh, you know uh, an old fashioned socialist or whatever but you know, um, uh, you know Bill Shankly uh, who's was the manager of the Liverpool Football Club once said you know um uh, uh, the the, the uh, kind of football I believe in is uh, you know the whole team uh, working for each other and, and everyone getting a share of the rewards yeah. it's the way I think about football it's the way I think about life it's the way I think about Cochrane um, but rather than uh, uh, us getting the rewards and there are rewards for us um, but rather than us getting the rewards it's about the public good uh, and sharing that common goal you know there's the full range of spectrum of opinion on the minutiae of every issue
1: uh,
2: within Cochrane. Uh, And it's a big unwieldy ship for people to steer. And, you know, I don't envy those um, who are in senior positions charged with that that, uh, task. Um, But uh, that makes it, that's what makes it great as well. uh, Because despite the diversity of opinion on the minutiae of every issue, um, we share a common goal and that's about putting evidence for health, research for better health out into the public domain yeah. and making that evidence reliable and trusted um, and uh, um, uh, making sure that that's done for the public good um, and uh, the other side of Cochrane which um, uh, has been incredible is uh, just, just the ethos of Cochrane people but, you know, I can sum the collaboration up in seven words Cochrane, uh, work hard, play hard, the Cochrane <laughs> way. You know? um, and, and that's what we do. We work damn hard. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think a, a, a majority of people are invested in and committed to the course. Um, but oh, we play hard as well. Um, and that's fun. Um, and you know, I, I, I saw, I've seen Europe with Liverpool Football Club, uh, but I've seen the world with Cochrane you know and some of the places that we've been to have been incredible you know I mean we were the first organisation um, uh, for so many years allowed yeah. to eat dinner in the Vienna Rathaus which is incredible oh, wow. you know um, I remember the closing party mm-hmm. in South Paulo in 2008 where the Samba band was on and everybody had garlands and maracas and you couldn't get the same colour caprini twice
1: <laughs>
2: um, and it was just wonderful you know and those kinds of experiences and the, the, the deep friendships that i have uh, formed through Cochrane uh, go beyond work, you know, uh, yeah. we're very professional at what we do, uh, but um, uh, it's a, it is a Cochrane family, yeah. you know, um, some people in the past have sort of unkindly charged it as being a cult. Well, if it's
1: a cult, <laughs> then it's my kind of cult. <laughs>
0: Follow us on Twitter at Cochrane UK and join the conversation with hashtag Cochrane Trainees. Never miss a podcast. Sign up for the Cochrane Trainees Digest at uk.cochrane.org forward slash trainees.
1: Um, it sounds, you know, I mean, it's, I think the ethos of everyone working towards a common goal is, you know, it really does help to motivate you to, to work hard on something. Do you, how would you advise trainees, so trainee doctors or trainee dentists who have never worked at the Cochrane before? How would you advise them to sort of get in touch and get involved?
2: Well, uh, so uh, I mean, uh, Cochrane groups and this structure is changing, yeah. um, but um, uh, um, you know, uh, it's still gonna be uh, you know the groups and the editorial basis are still yeah, gonna be yeah. based around uh, uh, you know areas of healthcare. So I think the primary point of contact uh, is still the groups. Yeah. So you will know, find the um, Cochrane group that covers the um, the uh, specialty or the generality that you're that you're interested in in, in healthcare medicine. Um, uh, you know, and not just uh, you know across the whole range of mm-hmm. the, the medical professions. You now, allied health professionals, um, uh, and uh, get in touch with them, um, and. Uh, uh, st- Stop, and they, they will be able to uh, uh, show you the pathways um, that are available uh, currently, and, and the new pathways that are being created at the moment uh, for getting involved. Um, and because uh, you know uh, we're making sure now that uh, those opportunities uh, uh, cover the full spectrum of availability yeah. of time of. Uh, um, expertise yeah. of um, experience, etc, mm-hmm. from uh, you know citizen scientists who yeah. just want to yeah. help make a
1: difference um,
2: uh, and you know uh, maybe need uh, some help to understand how they can make a difference, yeah. um, but also in terms of small scale tasks that they might be able to do yeah. right up to you know uh, um, roles as yeah, sure. uh, coordinator editors or editors of, of groups, ultimately. I think those pathways uh, and and thinking about it in terms of pathways um, is going to help the organisation now and it's helping the organisation to work out uh, how to better engage um, uh, new contributors
1: I think one of the worries certainly for people at my stage of training is that you may not necessarily have a lot of experience or training at all in in proper Cochrane methodology and so I suppose it's important to know that there are ways that you can get involved even if you don't have that much
2: experience well absolutely and, and, and you know um, I think one of the great initiatives um, over the last couple of years has been the Cochrane crowd yeah. and what our and all stores done with that has been, others, been um, you know with all from others has been incredible you know 5,000 uh, crowd members yeah. just passed um, you know a million citations
1: yeah.
2: uh, now screened and that's been an incredible effort and I can only see that uh, getting bigger and what's great really. about that is that, okay, you know, the, the main task at the moment uh, that's been implemented in Cochrane Crowd has been uh, identifying RCT. So yeah. read a title, read an abstract. Is that an RCT or not? Make your judgment. That judgment contributes to a pool of judgments from which uh, um, a crowd judgment is then derived. Um, and uh, uh, whilst the, R- the RCT identification task has been uh, the first one, uh, you know, uh, there are now uh, full-text... Screening yeah. tasks, RCT identification. Oh. There are uh, diagnostic test accuracy study identification yeah. tasks. Um, we're going to move into PICO annotation yeah. tasks, uh, so that people can uh, actually help to um, uh, tag uh, studies and reviews and their component analyses in terms of the populations and interventions yeah. and comparisons and outcomes that they um, include. So they're
1: supposed um, to progress basically within.
2: Yeah, so so I think that you know there are there the, the, that has been great because that's allowed people to um, just come in and do bite-sized chunks of of, of work uh, to sort of see and get a flavour of the kinds of um, tasks that go into the systematic review process. Um I think that that's helpful as a routine, so that um, people with limited time um, and uh, a whole spectrum of backgrounds and and and. Uh, levels of uh, engagement with and expertise in healthcare research can can get involved and contribute.
1: And um, final question: uh, Do you have any advice for someone who's just starting out in their research career? If you could go back, yes,
2: maybe. yeah. So the best two pieces of career advice I ever got. Um, the first, the first was from uh, Sandy Oliver, who now, as it turns out, years later has become a colleague at the Epicenter. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, she said, uh, choose who you, who you work with first, second and third down to 20th and choose what you work on after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really very important because buzzing off working with uh, good people yeah, yeah. who you enjoy working with creates good, high-quality work. Um, and uh, the second great piece of career advice I ever got um, was from a guy called... Um, Nigel Norris uh, um, he was a professor um, at at the University of East Anglia uh, where I started uh, and he had made uh, his career entirely at the UEA so uh, very unusually uh, he'd been promoted right from research assistant up to some of the top uh, academic positions in the university so I asked him how he'd done it and he was trying to get me to do something at the time uh, but his answer was um, and this might be um, a bit specific to academia, but his answer was uh, Well, they, there are three ways to make it in academia. He said, um, You can be a genius, and I don't think you're a genius, <laughs> right? and I was forced to agree. Uh, and he said, Or oh, you, uh, you, oh, you can be really lucky, like, you know, Alexander I Fleming, you can discover penicillin growing on your windowsill. Or you can just say yes to everything that you're ever asked to do and have work out not <laughs> to do it later.
1: Um,
2: so my piece of advice uh, to people starting out would be, uh, if you're not 100% confident that you're going to be able to do what it is that you're asked to do, say yes and then
1: work it out. That's a good piece of advice, a good solid piece of advice And mm-hmm. um Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. It was a really interesting interview um, and I hope you have a good
0: afternoon after this. Thank you. This podcast was presented by Rachel, produced by Jack and narrated by me, Pharaoh. Join us next time.